Welcome to the One Question Podcast, brought to you by Wabi Sabi Studios. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, and I love having unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. It's a huge passion of mine, so much so that I wrote a few books a while back that challenge people's notion on living a life more unconventionally. This entire podcast stems around one question. If there was one topic you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? My world has not fallen apart because I'm doing less. It's actually changed and evolved and got so much better in so many ways, including professionally. Julie Hyde's global reputation was built on transforming large businesses from toxic to top of their game. Julie heads up her own consultancy business as well as being a speaker, author and podcast host with two decades of corporate experience tucked under her belt. She has a Harvard qualification to boot and has a proven ability to be a total game changer for clients through her expert strategies, integrity and experience. Although don't play her at board games because she admits she cheats. Now in 2021, Julie's life took a new turn when she was dealt a tough card, that being cancer. But one of Julie's mantras in life is turning obstacles into opportunities. Yes, even with the dreaded C. She sees the diagnosis as a bit of a game changer and a vital chance to reassess her priorities, something I can completely relate to. Her focus on helping leaders understand modern leadership success is not a numbers game, it's a people game. So if you can align both the businesses and people priorities, your result will be high performance, high retention and high engagement levels. In a post-pandemic world where hybrid work is the norm, this is a must and this is the work that Julie does day in, day out. Jules and I were introduced through a mutual friend and have had many interesting conversations, especially around our cancer journeys. So I've been looking forward to sitting down once again with her to chew the fat. Julie Hyde, it is fabulous to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Oh, thank you, Michelle. I'm so happy to be here. Can't wait to chat to you. We've got so many things in common and uh, I really look forward to hearing where this goes. So if there is one thing that you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? I would love people to talk about the fact that busy is bad for them. Okay, so busyness and about saying that you're busy like what do you mean by that it's really about that whole busyness that people can get really addicted to and it seems to be very much part of our culture now when you ask someone how they are you know oh hi Michelle how you going you know what have you been doing I've been so busy and then it can even become a competition between people in of how busy they are but it seems to be the language that people instinctively go to now when they want to describe how they've been and you know I really want to challenge people on that notion because we are so much more than busy and it is so much more than people's identity I've noticed that a lot of people identify themselves as, you know, I'm a busy mom or a busy entrepreneur, I'm a busy executive, I'm a busy leader. Why do you have to be busy? What is that proving to others in terms of using that word? Mm, It's a really good point. It's something I guess a couple of years ago, uh, I mean, you wrote a book on this 
you know, a while ago. So you've sort of been on on this topic for a bit, reminding people it's not a badge of honour. But I think I kind of wonder whether it comes from, I remember sort of through my career, the more you've got on, it's like the more important you are, the more meetings, the more times your phone rings, the harder it is to get a time with you. Like it's like, oh, they must be super important. So is that sort of where we've come from and you're really trying to challenge people in that notion that actually that's not the case and you need to kind of reframe this and kind of redesign your life a bit more? Yeah, I really believe that people feel that busyness is a sign of their success. It's a sign of their importance or their significance, as you say, because one thing that I challenge people on when I do run workshops or keynotes is, okay, so I want you to stop saying the word busy completely. Just get it out of your vocabulary. And the most common question that I get asked is, well, what do I say instead? There's a real loss of thinking, well, if I'm not busy, then what am I? If I'm not busy, then what are people going to think if I say I'm not busy? And it's something that we we work through in um, a lot of the work that I do, you know, one-on-one, but also in that workshop environment, it's really interesting because it's like, well, if I can't say the word, then what am I going to say? And one of my beliefs is I really believe that we are missing out on a golden opportunity, you know, particularly at, um, say, networking events or if you're catching up with peers, we're missing out on a golden opportunity to tell people what we're doing. Like, how are you making a difference? What What is the amazing work that you're doing at the moment? You know, how are you contributing in the way that you're wanting to, which I'm sure is actually what you're doing. But we tend to package it up in this brown box of busy with a beautiful brown bow around it and just explain our world in terms of four letters. I'm quite sure when people are sitting, you know, on their deathbed, you know, when we're thinking about the legacy that we're created, that people aren't going to sit there and think, oh gosh, you know, I wish I was much more busy than what I was. We want to have led a life that's so much more meaningful. I have a a dear friend of mine and she's almost like my surrogate mum. She's 75 and she teaches me lots of things about life. She's actually only lives four doors down from me and my beautiful Tiggy. And she's amazing at this. I was like, what have you been up to today? She goes, oh, not much. She's like, I went for a swim and then I read. And then, and she has like redefined this whole kind of ownership around living life unapologetically exactly the way she wants. And this has not just happened since she's been retired. She's always been this way. I just think, you know, now I think I probably notice it more as I'm getting older and thinking, I really want her life. You know, (laughs) I really want to be like that. You know, the other thing she's taught me a lot about is actually she's the queen of boundaries, you know, setting those boundaries, which I think probably leads into that as well. So it's around having clear, defined boundaries about what you want to do, you know, the things that you don't want to do, you know, how you kind of set your life up, how you set your day up. Yeah, she's a fabulous kind of mentor for me in that regard. And one of the things I think is that I really pick up is about that judgment element. And I think we kind of, back to your point about, you know, growing up and feeling, oh, we've got to be busy, you know, because we're important. Well, she doesn't give a shit. She's just like, well, actually I have a nap every day at two o'clock and nobody interrupts that. You know, she only kind of naps or lays on her bed or whatever and reads a book or something for, you know, half an hour, an hour. 
But to me, I'd be like, oh, wow, I'm not telling anyone that, you know, like that I've had a rest. You would look as if you're weak or, you know, you don't have enough on or your life is not fulfilled enough. So how do you kind of educate people and guide them in this space, Julie? I think the big question that we've really got to answer is, you know, what are we busy doing? Are we busy doing things that are purposeful and meaningful for us? Or are we just busy reacting? And as you mentioned, I think as we were talking before, is that are you just caught on this treadmill of life, just going through and repeating habits that we've built up? Because, you know, busy is a habit as well. And I think one of the things that we can tend to do, particularly as women, when we get caught in this cycle or what I call like a vortex of busy, is we lose complete connection to ourselves. So, you know, as your beautiful friend, she's very connected to who she is, what's important to her, her priorities. And she's obviously implemented those boundaries to live in alignment with those. And so that's the first starting point where I say to people, right, so what are you busy doing? Write it it down. And is that the stuff that you want to be busy doing? We've all got a lot to do. Our world is busy. We've got a lot to fit into our hours, but we're all equal in the hours that we have. We've got 24 hours in the day, 1,440 minutes, 86,400 seconds, right? We're equal in that regardless of affluence, gender, whatever it is. So we've got to make it count. We've got to make those moments count and um, we can miss out on a lot when we're just as I say caught in that vortex of busy so it is very much about I think stopping saying the word is the first thing I educate people on the second thing is really getting a clear understanding on how do you want your life to be and I think COVID was an opportunity to understand that where we were forced to stop and a lot of people did understand wow, you know, I've actually missed out on so much of my children's life, for example. Like I'm now starting to get to know my kids and what their values are. I've understood that I've missed out on a lot of that. So it's really understanding how you want your life to be. And the third thing is then understanding what are your priorities. We can't do everything. I love to encourage people to think in three. What are the top three priorities that you want to be doing? And implement boundaries to make sure you can do it. And you know what? Self-care is not selfish. Self-care is absolutely critical if we're going to be the best mother, the best leader, the best partner, whatever it is in life that we want to be the best best of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's not just for everyone else. It's you need to be the best for you. And I want to dig into that a little bit more because we've talked before about both of us having cancer journeys. And as I sit here now, I'm coming up nearly 20 years since I had my tumor removed. It's actually really lovely to reflect on that. And it's nice for me to be able to sit here in front of you and show that, you know, there is a great journey ahead. You are in the thick of it right now, as we know, Julie. So you were diagnosed with melanoma a year ago now, was it? No, it was only eight months into my journey now. So it's still relatively new. So yeah, melanoma stage Very three. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And the reason I bring this up is I think for me, I can only talk for myself. I think that, you know, that busyness and not being in connection, I guess, or in contact and true alignment with my body and how I was feeling and 
being, as you say, not selfish, it's health and it's important to us. And I feel that potentially for myself, you know, a lot of that kind of on the treadmill, continually pushing, you know, that has a problem and that has a reaction to your, you know, all for you at a cellular level. And we do get burnt out. And if we're continually burning out, like the, you know, our body's not functioning properly. So whilst I don't believe, you know, my stress and busyness or whatever probably brought on the cancer tumor that was growing inside me, I'm sure it didn't help. And so that's why it's such an important thing, I think, for any of us to think about, like in terms of the ailments and the health. And I just wanted to talk a little bit more about this with you, you know, how important it is to actually take this stuff seriously and go, like, I need to prioritize the stuff that is actually important to me in my life, not, you know, everyone else and not be dictated to buy, you know, an inbox that everyone else wants to set your priorities. It's really vital that you do set those boundaries up. So I'm curious on your thoughts on that, Julie. I think that's been one of the biggest lessons so far for me. I always thought I prioritized my health and I did in some aspects in terms of the exercise and I tried to eat relatively well. But in terms of creating the space for me to just sit and be and tap into what was going on in my body and listen to my body and then take action from the messages that I'm getting in terms of how I'm feeling or this lump in my leg, that's not quite right. I should definitely do something about that immediately rather than waiting a couple of weeks when it's more convenient. I'm too busy to go and get my health checked out and you you don't prioritise it. We all do that, right? Yeah. I used to have this belief, you know, I just don't have time for this shit. <laughs> this shit being my health and as you said before, health is your wealth. You're nothing without your health. And so now my life is very, very different. And that is that my health is my absolute priority. And then everything else and everyone else comes around that. You know, I've had to make some really hard decisions and you do, you have to compromise on a lot of things that I would love to do. Like I miss out on so much for various reasons, but I understand that there's a bigger purpose at play and that's what motivates me to keep going and making the right decisions for me at the moment. And that's going to change in time, as you know. Yeah, the little wins, Julie. I think that's the thing for me because I was, you know, having monthly scans and then it yeah, moved to three monthly, then it moved to four monthly and then it moved to six monthly. And every part of that, you know, through that journey, I would celebrate it. And I'm like, yay, I need to do four monthly scans now. And now it's yearly. So I still, even 20 years on, I get checked up every year. And it's almost like the, you know, my oncologist is like, oh, you don't really need to see me. And I'm like, I just want the peace of mind. You know, the body's changing all the time. I take my health real seriously, you know, on so many levels in terms of what I eat. You know, I looked at all the aspects. So I'd always, as an ex-athlete, I always ate really well and, you know, nutrition side and did a lot of exercise. But that stress, back to our whole entire topic here, the stress that I would put on myself and the amount of work that I would pile onto myself to try and do every day was just ridiculous. So now I have, you know, such a better life, you know, in terms of the schedule that I do and how I manage my time, to your point again, around the, you know, prioritizing, I'm very clear about what I need to do and what are the things that kind of fall below the line in terms of those things that other people are trying to, you know, get me to do or dictate. And I think that's had a massive impact on my health and well-being and mental health as well, right? Because that's, 
The other thing that you're constantly thinking about this stuff that you're like, oh, I haven't done that, haven't done this. Oh, someone else has got this pressure on me and everyone's lives are very different and everyone's priorities and pressures are very different. But all I say to you listening is you decide what they look like and be very clear about that. Because if you end up like Julie and I and you're in hospital dealing with, you know, severe kind of cancer and fighting for your life, then you're like, shit, why didn't I take this stuff seriously? Yeah. I look back in my diary pre-October the 6th because that's my date where my world was turned upside down. So I look at my diary and it's like, what was I thinking? Like it's chock-a-block and now there's only a few things in. I must admit, I did look at that and think, wow, like what does that mean for me? Like, you know, I'm an A-type personality. I'm very driven. I'm very motivated. I want to succeed. But I suppose success has, has really changed for me and the weight of expectation that we put on our own shoulders is huge and can really really affect your mental health and you only have to look at the mental health statistics these days to understand you know where burnout and anxiety and depression is affecting so many of us but my world has not fallen apart because I'm doing less it's actually changed and evolved and got so much better in so many ways, including professionally. And I think that's really, really interesting. It's like slowing down to get faster, um, slowing down to do doing less to be more effective. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. Complete sense to me. And I think that as a person that has a bit of a monkey brain, (laughs) the more I slow down and actually be very clear and tunneled, like the more effective I am. And, you know, I can sit and do an hour of power that, you know, back in the day I would have been faffing about for three or four hours, like getting interrupted and, you know, jumping on a call or into a meeting. And, you know, four hours later, I still haven't done that task. It probably is only going to take me about half an hour if I doubled down and just, you know, did it in that time. So let's talk about you specifically then in terms of what you've changed, Julie, in that regard and how have you combated? So you've obviously made some pretty big changes in your life as well as in your calendar and your diary and your workspace. And I think it was lovely, as you said there, that point about almost the identity element that we attach to that, you know, that you felt, oh, hang on, I'm not as busy. How do I feel about that? And, oh, you know, what's going on? Do I need to get out there and hustle and get some more clients or whatever? Yeah, I think that's a really lovely point to share because you do go through those kind of emotions as well through changing your life in this regard. So tell me about what are the elements you kind of used or what are the tools that you help progress this and to be better in this space? To your point about, you know, what you used to do compared to what you do now, you know, there's an element of grieving for who I was. You need to allow yourself to go through that and recreate who you are. And that's people going through any type of challenge. It doesn't have to be a health challenge. It's, you know, loss of relationship. It's the loss of, you know, a loved one, loss of a parent or, you know, anything like that. Loss of your job. That's right. Loss of your job. That's huge. It's huge because people attach their identity to, you know, jobs and roles. So that's massive. So it's allowing yourself to grieve. That's completely okay. And, you know, feel all the feels and try not to compress them deep down because they're going to come out in some way. But I think it's things, so things that I've really implemented since I've been diagnosed is I now amazingly have time to meditate. 
Whereas I never had time for that before, apparently. But I used to have time to scroll through social media. But that's really, really helped me because my mindset is absolutely critical. That's another thing that I've really understood is that my mindset is my power, particularly through this. So absolutely all of the the treatments that I'm having and, you know, the medications, yes, but my mindset is my power. So I really need to look after that and protect it and feel it. So the meditation, the little mantras that I tell myself every single day, you know, just creating that space. Positive, yeah, positive. And actually allowing myself to rest, like to rest, not lay there and watch TV or scroll through anything, look at the phone at all, talk to anyone or even listen to a podcast. It's actually just lay there and look out the window or look at, you know, a plant or, (laughs) you know, go for a walk and not have anything in my ears and just notice what's going on around and really listen to what's going on in my body too. You know, one thing I learned from you is that you really have to advocate for yourself in these sort of situations and not only in these situations. And you really have to fight for what you believe is going on in your body because you know best and challenging the norm and just not accepting what is the easiest option. It's like there's always different options available to you. So I suppose it's just having that presence of mind to do that and that space to think about those things and just allowing yourself the space to think about, okay, so what do you want to talk to this, you know, doctor about, the oncologist about, what do you want to bring up? What do you want to challenge? And what do you want to resolve rather than just going in and allowing them to control that conversation? Because I love, you know, your book, you know, doctors are not gods and and they're not. They do amazing things and they're incredible people and obviously they care. But, yeah, they're not gods. Their word isn't gospel and we do have a say in in what happens. Mm. You're the only one that really truly knows your body and what's going on. But I think your point there around that, you know, listening, but being able to have the clear space, you know, I guess air space as it were and thinking space, but also it's almost like a listening element without all the busyness, if we call it, and the hive of activity and shit going on around you, whether it is a podcast or people or watching TV. I think that's such a vital point that you make around sitting in silence and resting And that's when your body talks to you and, you know, like there's things you're like, oh, that's a bit weird. What's going on with my stomach? Or, you know, I've had this pain in my leg to your point, like, you know, and it's, I really need to get that checked out. It keeps going on. You know, it's been months that I've been putting up with that. I will do that tomorrow. Like if people take one thing away from this podcast, if there is something that's troubling you and your body keeps telling you, bloody listen to it. That's all we can both share that message because ours, unfortunately, was very serious and hopefully you don't have those kind of issues. But unless you do something about it, you know, you've jumped on yours relatively quickly. Mine, my doctor, you know, misdiagnosed me. So whilst I was being vigilant with it, my doctor wasn't. And, um, you know, it had bad results for me. But I'm here now and I take all that from that. I take those learnings and ensure that any time I've got an ailment or something that's kind of going on or the same with people around me that tell me, oh, this is a problem, I've been feeling this. I'm like, what are you doing about it? (laughs) You know, get it checked out. And it doesn't matter if you feel like an idiot or they think you're a hypochondriac, who gives a shit? You will have peace of mind. A hundred percent. 
how are you feeling now with your treatment and everything going on? Yeah, it's um really interesting because sometimes I think I've disassociated myself from it and I'm not actually really in this. I don't know if that's a problem or if it's not or, you probably know. self-preservation element. I would imagine that's probably natural as part of through the process. So, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, people obviously handle things, you know, very differently and very individually. It's a very personal thing. You know, nine months down the track, I still 100% believe that I will beat this. Unfortunately, you know, you know, my cancer is aggressive and probably fits with my personality style. It's aggressive and, and it has come back. But my aim is that, you know, for each scan that it's 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 less and less and, it, and that it doesn't spread. So I'll do whatever I need to do in order to make that happen while also trying to live some sort of normal life, which I think is important because you still need to feel like you are a normal person as well not not a patient I really don't like being described as a patient because I'm not so yeah it's um interesting sometimes I think gosh I really should maybe be slightly more emotional about this (laughs) my husband asked me a question once a couple of weeks ago he said you know during the day because I work from home a lot of the time during the day do you do you get sad like do you do you get upset? And I was like, no, I don't actually, because I allow myself time to think about it. And then at other times, I just want to, you know, push on with what I'm doing in the way that I'm choosing to do it now, which is something that I find really purposeful and meaningful for me. So it does take my attention away. I think, you know, I can be someone who has the potential to go down a deep, dark hole that's not going to be helpful for me and my mental state. So I try and keep myself as buoyant as possible, but also maintain an element of being realistic about yeah, it I think, as well. I think you, you sound like you've got your shit together well, darling. You're doing well. You look amazing. But I think, you know, everyone does go through this stuff very differently and not only talking from my own experience, but the amount of people that I've spoken to about this over the years. But I think your the key elements that you're talking about there, you're doing, you know, all the right things that, you know, seem perfectly right for you. And the only other thing I'd add is just having some compassion for yourself. You know, this is a time where you need to be really compassionate and really kind to yourself. And having playfulness, like I brought a lot of play back into my life and just that joy element because you know there are times that you can get deep and dark if you think about you know what you're going through and what could potentially happen but like you I'm an optimistic soul so I always go no not gonna that could happen but I don't want to focus on it because rightly so the way you know you're framing your mind and the meditation element I did the same thing I read a lot about that and um, did a lot of work in that space and I was meditating twice a day you know, and interestingly, this was after my tumor was taken out of me, though, because obviously I didn't know I had a tumor before. I had emergency surgery, had that removed. But I meditated every day and it was only 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon. It's not like hours, but you need to find what works for you. But I would meditate on that tumor of ensuring that all those deep, dark, like black, gooey, horrendous cells, like I can visualize them instantly. They were 
removing them from my body like they were you know everything was kind of leaving and I was getting well again and it really helped me so I feel like you're doing you know all the right things you're in the thick of it at the moment and this your mindset is great just the fact you're even chatting to me today is beautiful (laughs) thanks Michelle I'm definitely going to take your advice around play more of that I think would be good for me too yeah it's just that lightness of being I think you know we need to have more of that in life, especially the last couple of years of what everyone's gone through. And we just get too serious. And that's why I'm an idiot at times at different things. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, sure, I'm on boards and I'm supposed to be serious and I'm this big corporate chick. And I'm like, God, we've just got to enjoy life. Like, Jesus, I never thought I'd be here at 50. So like, fuck it. I'm just going to have a good time. you know. <laughs> so I encourage everyone else to do the same, even if you have, don't have to go through the shit that I went through. Enjoy your life more. You're a great role model for me and for others in that space, definitely. That fierce, fierce business chick and also the one who has a beautiful hobby and, as you say, creates life on her own terms. So thank you for that. Julie, it's been an absolute delight to chat to you today. I've taken away heaps of things for you, a bit of a kick up the bum to remind me as well to remove that busyness focus and element in my life and to um, bring back and you know take over that power again so thank you pleasure thank you for having me michelle well there you have it wasn't that an incredible conversation i hope you enjoyed it as much as i've enjoyed bringing it to you if you did like it can i ask a small favor please rate and review on your listening platform for me. I know everyone asks this, but it seriously makes a difference to help get these conversations out in the world and makes all the hard work and effort I put into this for you all the more worthwhile. And until next time, if you have one question you'd like to ask me, hit me up on my socials or jump on my website, michellejcox.com.